Hello, thanks for listening to Theory Lab. I'm Joe Cotter of the American Cancer Society's Research Department, and with me is Susanna Greer. Hi, Susanna. Hey, Joe. In this episode, we spoke with Rolf Brecken. Actually, you spoke with Rolf Brecken. He's um, at UT Southwestern Medical Center. He's, an, he's the Effie Marie Kane Research Scholar in Angiogenesis Research. So, Susanna, what's that mean? It says that, you know, on his faculty page, he says he's studying the tumor microenvironment. Can you tell me a bit about like what that is and why you wanted to speak with Rolf? Sure. So one of the things that we understand now is that our challenge in cancer isn't just the tumor. It's what's all around the tumor. The cells of our body, the immune cells, the vascular cells, the endothelial cells, right? Everything that comes into contact with this growing tumor and either inhibits its growth or promotes its growth. So Rolf has had an incredibly impactful career studying in lots of different models. Actually, he's probably best known for his work in pancreatic cancer, but he's also done work in breast cancer and lung cancer, really trying to understand this space of How do tumor cells grow? How do they interact with this environment around them? Plus, he's just a super fun guy and apparently wants to challenge me to a new sport to me called pitching washers. So I'm ready. (laughs) He's going down, too, if I know you. Um, Okay, Susanna, thanks. Let's get to it. Hey, Rolf. Thanks for joining us today. We're excited to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. All right. Fantastic. Well, let's just level set. I'd love to know what you've been up to. Can you give us your elevator pitch? My elevator pitch. So the, the, the elevator pitch really depends on the, uh, the audience. Uh, generally, what I tell people is that my lab studies pathways that are involved in drug response. We have gotten very interested in why drugs work and why they don't work in the context of mainly solid tumors. And so there are lots of ways in which tumors get around the effect of your favorite drug, whether that's a chemo agent or a targeted agent, or now the new, you know, rage is immune oncology agents. And tumors use lots of interesting biologic pathways to get around the adverse effects of those drugs um, or the toxic effects, the tumor-killing effects of those drugs, and we study those pathways. And that's generally what I tell the lay audience. And if they glaze over, then I stop. And if they get interested, then we talk about particular aspects of the lab. All right, well, assume we're interested, because we are. <laughs> so maybe let's go high and low. So tell, tell us what's a big challenge you're facing right now, kind of what keeps you up at night, what do you think about in the shower, you come in and you're like, we're going to do this today. I should probably step back just a second and, and tell you that, I mean, I told you that we study biology that's involved in drug response, and it, it turns out that most of the things in my lab have sort of centered on this process of epithelial plasticity. And so that is the, the concept that tumor cells, which often come from epithelial cells, may lose their epithelial characteristics and they turn into what we call mesenchymal cells. They begin to look like mesenchymal cells, so fibroblast-like cells. And when they do that, they often then lose sensitivity to a drug. And interestingly, that whole process of epithelial plasticity is also tied to, say, immune suppression and progression of the disease in terms of metastasis. And so by studying 
pathways that drive epithelial plasticity, you may be influencing not only drug response or drug sensitivity, but you're also influencing metastasis and invasion and metastasis and also potentially um, the immune microenvironment and then uh, immune suppression. And so it, it, you know, it's not killing everything with one pathway, but it's, it's a, in essence, you know, you're, you're studying these linchpin drivers of progression um, and we've gotten really sucked into a few different pathways, and it turns out to be incredibly interesting from a biologic perspective how a, a protein that may not be mutated in cancer or even amplified is actually critical to the progression of the disease. And so one such example is, is a receptor called Axel. And so we've gotten really excited and interested in, in Axel, and that's what, you know, when I'm, I'm in the shower or I'm on a plane or I'm, I'm at a meeting, and I'm hearing someone talk, and I see that their data is really cool, and I think, how do I take knowledge that I'm gaining here and apply it to this pathway that we're studying, Axel, and how might Axel be involved, or how might our favorite players be involved? Um, and so that's where a lot of our work is centered right now. So how do you, it's so interesting that you would say that some of the targets that you're really interested are maybe not changed in their abundance in cancer cells or they're not mutated? I mean, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. How do you do that? So we we found Axel in a screen, and it was a screen uh, focused on uh, why some tumors don't respond well to anti-VEGF therapy, so anti-angiogenic therapy. And Axel came up in a screen, and it turned out to be something that was expressed highly by these tumor cells that were less sensitive in vivo to anti-VEGF. Um, and, and that got us started. And then in studying the biology of Axel, it turns out that it, it's involved in you know, metastasis, and then we found it's involved in drug response and, and a myriad of other things. And then you look at it, and it's really not mutated. And it, it, it may be a driver in some diseases like AML, but it's not in solid tumors. It doesn't really appear to be a driver, per se, in the classic sense. But if you get rid of it, then those tumors have a hard time progressing, and they become much more sensitive to your favorite standard therapy. And that has made it incredibly interesting in, in that respect, because um, one hopes that resistance will become... Resistance to, say, axial inhibition might be um, delayed, or it might be um, less common than a you know resistance to a targeted agent that hits a driver mutation. Um, in fact, Axel appears to be sort of a bypass pathway for lots of targeted agents, um, and that's you know I think Axel is an up and coming target, and there's many interesting groups that are um, there are lots of groups that are studying the biology of Axel because it's so interesting, um, and the fact that it's not it's not, you know, when I say it's not amplified, what I mean is it's it's not one of these genes that um, has high copy number variation. Um, it's it's not in regions of a chromosome typically that are, you know, um, uh, involved in translocations or any kind of chromosomal abnormality. Uh, but it is expressed at a higher level typically on tumor cells than in normal cells. So just a level set, I want to make sure that our lay audience listeners will understand exactly what you mean. So two questions. Number one, when you say a driver mutation, 
that makes me think of like, you know, if I were going to get a Lyft ride, somebody would show up, they'd be driving the car, <laughs> they'd pick me up and take me where I need to go. So if the car shows up and nobody's in it to drive, that's a challenge. So can you use that analogy to try to explain or maybe clarify a little bit what you mean by it? Because you say Axel is not a driver mutation. So is it not something that's actually pushing the tumor and the tumor cells along, but it's in, but without it, some critical things go off the rails? Right. So you, you might think of Axel as um, a piece of the transmission, right, of that car. So you have a driver. Let's say the driver is a mutation in an oncogene like KRAS, and KRAS is mutated in a high percentage of pancreatic cancer, which is one of the main models that we study. So KRAS is, is pushing, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the driver, it's the one pushing the accelerator and taking its foot off the brake, but axle is part of the car, right, is one way to think about it. And there are probably passengers in that car that are, you know, helping tell KRAS where to go, right? But you have to have a vehicle to move forward, and, and that cell or that tumor cell needs to have the capacity to withstand insults, uh, whether those are environmental insults or whether those are insults that we throw at it with, with the, in the sense of therapy. Um, and so, you know, Axel may be part of the vehicle that actually is, is important in um, getting that car or that cancer where it wants to go. You know, it'd be really cool if the name Axel came from its role in the car. <laughs> yeah, it would. I don't think that's the way it is, but <laughs> maybe this is your chance to jump in for some renaming and structural nomenclature that, that yeah, uses yeah, this analogy. We could, we could do it. We could write a review and use the car analogy for, you know. All right, well, let's cancer. do that. You <laughs> and me, we're on it. All right, we're going to take the world by storm. But in the meantime, so what's your biggest recent success here? What are you the most excited about? So we're really excited, as I said, about Axel. And one of the reasons is because um, data from one of my students ended up being strong enough to convince an oncologist on campus and a company that has an Axel inhibitor to... Uh, think about doing a clinical trial in pancreatic cancer patients, and we were able to link up with the Stand Up to Cancer group, one of the pancreatic cancer dream teams, and these group of sort of investors, if you think about it, so people that are going to put time in and effort in, were excited enough about my students' data to pitch a clinical trial, and we were able to, one, get some money from Stand Up to Cancer, get the company on board, and we've actually started a clinical trial here at UT Southwestern using chemotherapy plus the axle inhibitor in pancreatic cancer patients. And so from the standpoint of potentially driving um, clinically meaningful research, I was thrilled that we were able to go from concept and preclinical studies and get a, a clinical trial initiated, and we were able to get, you know, get the oncologists excited, and, and they were you know, ready to move forward with, with a new idea. So that was a lot of fun. And then what's also really cool is that one of my other students um, has been working on what the, the funding agencies want to see, and that is, how does this work? So, you know, Axel's a receptor tyrosine kinase. It signals. We know some of the phenotypic outputs, so we know that, that when Axel gets activated, these 
tumor cells go from being epithelial-like cells to being more mesenchymal. We can see that. There's biology associated with that, but we don't really know what happens from, say, the cell surface where Axel gets ligated by a, a, a very interesting ligand, a very interesting you know, cytokine growth factor, and then how does it tell the cell how to do this, this change? And so we've made some real interesting progress in that pathway, and that's, you know, when you think about from a scientific basic science standpoint, I get, we get pretty jazzed about saying, this is how it's working. This is the evidence that supports that. And it's been really fun to see two of my students uh, make progress um, on this project and not only push it into the clinic, but also delve into some of the basic science. Um, and that's, it's been fun. It's been really fun to see the trainees have success in that respect. So, so help me link the two. If we're making progress, and I, I can hear the excitement in your voice from going from concept to trial to some patient impact, I also hear equal excitement around understanding how this protein works. But if I'm a cancer patient or a family member that loves a cancer patient, why do I care about the biology? Why should that be important to me? That's a great question. And I think that um, in this age of the, the, the concept of precision medicine, um, understanding uh, how a pathway works and thus how a drug might interrupt um, cancer progression, uh, understanding the basic mechanisms really allows us to potentially say, okay, these patients all have pancreas cancer. We know KRAS is driving. These patients might be more sensitive to drug X, like say an axle inhibitor, than these guys, right? And so you, if that's really true, then you would increase uh, potential efficacy for the ones that you think should be sensitive, and you would not put the other folks um, under that therapy. You'd look for something else, right? And so the idea would be then to, to do better patient, patient selection in the end, um, I think would be the sort of the baseline um, benefit to the layperson, right, is that you know, the, the oncologist understands that he needs to look at um, these kind of features in your tumor and check the boxes to see if you fit into this category of patients that are likely to respond to drug X, Y, or Z. Um, that's sort of the, um, I guess, baseline rationale for, for doing these kind of things, besides the fact that we just don't know and we are excited about learning. So when you were earlier in your career, I believe you started a company. Is that correct? I did. So tell me what what's that like? I, we don't receive a lot of training in how to start a company as scientists. We receive a lot of training in other things. So what were the challenges? And maybe do you have some advice for scientists who may be going down this route? So we started a company called Tuval Therapeutics, and uh, we started that out of technology from my lab, and we did that um, in an effort to uh, bring a new concept for, or a, a new sort of idea for drug development and drug targets, um, and it um, has been an odyssey. Um, the company is currently in what the investor world, the biotech world, calls the valley of death, right? So we are at a stage where we've got good data. We've got uh, lead compounds for our favorite drug target. Um, happens to be different than Axel. Um, and we are now looking for investors. And so it has been um, 
a big learning experience. Um, I've been involved with biotech for a long time in the sense that, you know, two drugs from the lab have made it to the clinic. Um, and, and so I've played with biotech at a variety of levels for a while, but I've never been sort of intimately involved in trying to generate excitement outside of the scientific world to, you know, get people on board and, and actually put money in. And so that's been um, a challenge, to be honest. Um, and so the advice I would have is to make sure that when you do this, you have a great team and you have um, experience, um, folks who've potentially done it before, um, and that you know they're good at uh, connecting with potential investors. They have, you know, the ability to uh, go to a wide variety of potential sources for uh, generating the funds you're going to need to drive a project to even an IND um, on an investigational new drug application, which is. You know, not something that is easily done in an academic setting. You really need to have outside sources to help fund that. Um, and that, so having a good team is critical, and that's something that, that we're learning as we go. Um, and it's, it's, it's been great, but it's also been, um, you, as an academic, you don't have a lot of time to, to do this, so you really need to have folks on board that can drive that. Maybe I've gleaned a little insight from my cyber stalking of you of why you're so great at team building, because I found out that in addition to enjoying mountain biking and snowboarding, you also enjoy pitching washers, which oh, I had to look up. We, we don't, <laughs> that's not something we do in Georgia, but I, I understand it's similar to maybe horseshoes or cornhole. Very, so what is very this Very similar. Yeah, yeah. You have, uh, you have washers that are basically... That you know you you put a nut and a bolt together, and it's usually got a washer uh, between the the you know the the end of the the bolt and the and the nut. Um, and washers are just larger. They're I think they're three and a quarter or three and a half inches in diameter, and they look like a big washer. And you have a a, a hole in the ground. The hole is usually um, uh, just bigger than the washer, and um, it's very similar to cornhole. You know. Um, and you stand, they're about 21 feet apart and you pitch washers and you try to get it in the hole. And it's, it sounds, it sounds difficult than it is, <laughs> but, um, it's an awful lot of fun and you can kill a, you can kill a lot of time, especially at lab parties or neighborhood parties doing that. So my neighbors got us into this and they were very, they're very good at it. And then I had graduate students, some of my early graduate students, um, we're really into washers, and so we put a, a washer pit in the backyard. And so, when folks come over, when the lab comes over, we have, uh, uh, you know, we we, th we pitch washers and drink beer, or margaritas, or whatever right. else. Well, I am our family's cornhole champion. So next time oh, I see you, you would, we'll have a uh, we'll have a little you competition. Would be good. We'll have yeah, a competition. yeah, you would you would be you would do well. Although they're <laughs> not bean bags, right? Right. I'd have to hone my skill. I'd need a few practice throws. That's okay. All right. Speaking of practice throws, I have one final question. So I, we all do what we do to eventually impact cancer patients. That's our goal. So if you had an opportunity, and you do now, to share with patients your goals for the future and outlook and, and a message to them, what would it be? So it's interesting you asked that. So I was just at a meeting in, in Bergen, Norway, um, with a bunch of other cancer folks, and somebody came up and, and they 
you know, I think as scientists, we often, we kvetch about how difficult it is to get funded and keep the lab running and, and the challenges that we face. And, um, and I think we often lose sight of the fact that um, overall, there has been significant progress in, in lots of different indications. And that progress that we've made in terms of cancer therapy and improving survival is due to basic science and it's due to you know, the, the foundational exploration of basic questions in, in cancer biology. And I think it's important for us to step back and think, you know, demonstrate and talk about the successes that um, we've had. And so we're all very excited about immune oncology, and we should be. But I think there's, we're making headway in lots of different areas of cancer biology and cancer therapeutics. And I think it's, it's going to continue to get um, – we're going to continue to be better in terms of uh, patient selection and who should be treated with what. And we're going to continue to make improvements in cancer therapeutics and understanding resistance. And I, I think the future is, um, it looks bright. And we just, you know, we need, as, as scientists, we need to to make sure that, yes, we need to struggle with the challenges, but we also need to highlight the successes that we've had. And I think the lay folks, it's important for us to tell um, lay folks that, you know, we have made progress and, and that we're going to continue to make progress and that it's a worthwhile investment for them to continue to think about um, and then, you know, expect success from scientists in the, in, the, in, in the cancer world. I don't know if that was what you're looking for, Susanna, but that's kind of what I've been thinking about li- lately. You know, Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I certainly appreciate this opportunity to highlight your successes. Good grief. There have been many, and we look forward to your continued success, both on and off the pitching washer trek, field, yard. Yeah, I, I, we call it a washer. Yeah, I don't know what we call that, a pitch. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, sort of like a soccer pitch. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. Yeah. We'll put it in our review article about Axel. <laughs> <laughs> all right, take care, Ralph. Thanks so much for joining us. We're grateful for all you do. Thank you for the opportunity. All right, bye. Bye-bye.